If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Events. From now till the end of April, the big sale continues. Get discounts of up to 70% off sanitary words, light tiles, waterproofing, and all other product families. It's the year to get things done. Visit our showroom at the North Industrial Area next to the Winners Chapel, Ghana. Don't miss out. That's Matt. Welcome home. Hello, good evening, and welcome to News Night. And this is your election headquarters. It is brought to you by Petrosol, clean fuel in full quantity. Also, today we launched our election headquarters. It is brought to you by Syntex Tanks, a strong, a tough. Tonight, the EC caves into pressure as he announces it will no longer ditch the indelible ink and will stick to the 7 December date for the 2024 elections. If by using the indelible ink, people will have more confidence in the process, why not? The commission has resolved that we are going to have the elections come December 7th as we did in 2020. We have details from the launch of our coverage of the 2024 election process. Your election headquarters where the Ghana police service is warning persons intending to foment trouble to not dare. The whole country is a hotspot. <laughs> so we are planning towards the whole country mm. as a hotspot. We live in no stone on them. And when it comes to like individual issues. My persons living with disabilities are not impressed with political parties' lack of clear action to deal with issues that are important to them. A person with a wheelchair, a person with a yeah, visual impaired have mostly challenged when uh, passing through our pavements. It's a problem through um, the public space. And tonight we also ask who becomes what in Parliament as the National Executive Committee and the National Council of the New Patriotic Party consider a massive shake-up to the leadership of the majority side. We have all the details plus tonight raised to 
breaking of eight of the Governor New Patriotic Party takes shape following an approval of campaign team members presented to the National Council by the flag bearer. We have exclusive details for you. Want to stay with us for that and more here on your election headquarters in business. Prices of diesel inches closer to 14 cities after leading oil marketing firms, including Gold, adjusted their values at the pumps. And in sports, the Black Queens begin training ahead of clash against Zambia in the Olympic qualifier. And then later on news night, Walewale Municipal Security Council bans the use of motorbikes beyond 8 p.m. in fresh measures to combat increasing armed robbery attacks in the area. First of all, one of the decisions taken by MUSEC is to stop mobile money activities in Walewale and its environs about stopping of motor riding in the night in some hours. Plus, what would you do to survive in this economy as a degree holder without a job? Well, a first-class graduate has found a unique path. He checks blood pressure for market women. We will tell you more. And if you are a patron of the Metro Mass Transit buses, get your tap and go card ready to make payment for the services as the company goes cashless. When you tap, we know that Akwesi Ajima has entered this bus. Also, you sit in your room, you buy your bus ticket, book it, and come and travel when you want to travel. This is your election headquarters. It's brought to you by Petrosol. Also today, as we launched the election headquarters coverage, we're proud to be associated now with Syntex Tanks. Are you strong? Are you top? Tonight, the Electric Commission has backed down on its plans to change the date for the 2024 election, as well as removing the indelible ink from the voting process. The EC had planned to move the 2024 election to November, as well as implement a host of other new reforms, including moving from the use of indelible ink. But the opposition NDC and a section of civil society kicked against these proposed reforms, warning it was too late. Speaking exclusively to Joy News during the launch of our coverage of the 2024 elections today, the Deputy EC Chair, Dr. Bosman Asari, confirmed the Electoral Commission will no longer go ahead with these proposed reforms. Kwiku Asante of our political desk reports from the launch of our coverage of the 2024 election process where the NDC and the MPP have been committing to peace ahead of the polls. The NDC vowed to resist these proposed reforms every step of the way. The minority leadership in the House had announced plans to block any review of existing laws to make way for these reforms to take effect. It appears the NDC has had its way and the EC will no longer implement these reforms. Deputy EC Chair Dr. Bosman Asari says the indelible ink will still be used in the 2024 election. The idea of using the indelible ink it's like you, you, are, you are using two layers of verification. So the commission said, if Mr. Evans Mensah is coming to vote, Mr. Evans Mensah will be verified electronically for us to know that indeed it's Mr. Mensah who has been verified. So when you want to go ahead and use the indelible ink, then clearly you, you don't have confidence in your biometric register. But as a listening institution, we've had the concerns of the general public We've had uh, the concerns of uh, parliamentarians across the aisle. 
the MPP and the NDC uh, civil society members. And we, we, we've come to the conclusion that if by using the indelible ink, people will have more confidence in the process, why not? The deputy EC chair also announced the 2024 election will go ahead on the usual date of 7th December. And again, in terms of November or December, as you may be aware, we had a meeting with our political parties. And one of the major parties indicated clearly that uh, they don't support the change of date from, November, uh, from December to November in 2024. So as a commission, we know when the law requiring that to have such a change, you have to go to parliament, to have two thirds of the members of parliament approving of that particular change. The commission has resolved that we are going to have the elections come December 7th, as we did in 2020. The Ghana Police Service is warning persons who intend to ferment troubles at the polls to stay away. DCOP Gabriel Prince Wabu is director of research and planning. Hot spots. The whole country is a hot spot. <laughs> <laughs> so we are planning towards the whole country mm. as a hot spot. We live in no stone on them when it comes to like individual issues. Perhaps a major highlight of the election headquarters launch is the two parties' major commitment to peace ahead of the 2024 election. I, the Deputy General Secretary of the New Patriotic Party, will uphold peaceful coexistence, peaceful elections to ensure there is peaceful governance after victory for the 2024 general elections. Yeah. The MPP pledges to ensure that there is peaceful, will contribute our quota to peaceful elections and contribute our quota to peaceful coexistence. Mustafa Bandi, the chief bodyguard of the general secretary of the NDC, Honorable Fifi Javikote, as his deputy, I stand for peace before, during, and after 2024 election. But with the economy said to be a key factor in the 2024 election campaign, former presidential candidate of the Convention's People's Party, Ivor Kobner Greenstreet, is not impressed with both the NDC and MPP's management of the economy. They claim to care and they, they, they make statements that would imply that they care, but their actions and the facts that are uh, obvious for everybody to see uh, to demonstrate to them uh, that, uh, that all is not well with the state of the nation. Uh, they will claim that uh, it's due to external forces or other reasons. They, are, they will give us their usual uh, platitudes and long stories. Your election headquarters is launched now and join us is now set to roll out a number of comprehensive programs, including the election brief, Ghana Connect, elections, boys quarters, and a host of other captivating programs to help you make informed choices this election year. Reporting for Joy News, Kwikwasanti. And let's just stay a while longer with those announcements made by the Electoral Commission exclusively at our launch today. It's, uh, it's one that has divided opinions in Parliament. In fact, at one point, both the minority and majority sides united around uh, asking the Electoral Commission not to ditch the indelible ink, the subject of the early voting in November, uh, bringing the, the voting day from 7th December to a, a, a day in November was one also that divided opinions even in IPAC. Thankfully, uh, the Electoral Commission says today uh, at our launch that uh, it's not going to happen. I want to bring in the National Coordinator of the Coalition of Domestic Election Observers, Albert Ahin. He's been sitting in IPAC meetings where this has been discussed. Ms. Ahin, thank you for your time here on Newsnight. Uh, what do you make of the EC's announcement today that these two very contentious matters are yeah. on the table? Evans, uh, thank you very much and uh, 
my greetings to your your listeners. Um, you remember I I spoke about this some time back. That in the first place, the EC, with regards to the indelible link, didn't do any consultation before making that announcement. So it's a very pleasing to hear that they rescinded that decision and want to go with the with the with the stakeholders. I think that is the right thing to do. And uh, like you rightly said, this thing is going to bring peace to the process that uh, we are about to, to, to go into. Uh, once you listen to what the people are saying, and I think it augurs well for, for the success of the operations ahead. So I think we should thank the VC for agreeing not to to ban the use of the indelible link because um, some of us were scared about this because um, the machines sometimes break down registers and all that until maybe we get to a situation where we can rely solely on the on the on the uh, what is it um, the biometric I think we can go side by side with the with the indelible link because that is a sure backup so we thank the EC for agreeing so that we can have peace. And, and they've also shelved the idea of implementing the November voting day this year. Now they want to go ahead and have the law changed, but it will take effect in 2028. Yes. Um, I remember at the IPAC meeting, the alternative was that the process should start. So if they have agreed that the process should start. It's also good news so that um, if they're able to start it, I think by 2028, this thing should work. And and some of us actually believe in this uh, um, uh, 7th November issue or this uh, holding elections in November because uh, it will give even the political parties time to, to plan well if there should be any uh, what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> is it by election or whatever they call it? Uh, yes. 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 If there's a runoff. Should be, uh, an election that should, should, should. If there's a runoff. The runoff, that's right. That's the word I'm looking for. So the parties themselves will have time to prepare. The EC will also have time. And then the parties that are even going to hand over, if any, they would also have time to go through their handing over notes. And the transition, uh, we believe, can be very smooth if they have enough time. If it's just within one month, immediately after the uh, elections, it, it, it will be done in a rush. And things done in a rush are never always done right. So once again, I think the EC has listened to the people. And that, that should all go well for this nation. Um, and you've been sitting in, in IPAC with the parties where there have been serious disagreements. Uh, the NDC has been pretty vocal on this. Thankfully, the Deputy General Secretary, Musa Fakbande, joins us now. Musa Fakbande, good news, right? Because this is what you've been asking for all along. Well, uh, fundamentally, Ivan, thank you. I, I think that, um, first of all, it uh, saves the ease of its dwindling credibility. They've just been exposed by a decision they advanced out of ignorance to, decision that the law exposes them, the decision that wasn't feasible in the first place 
given the circumstances that we find ourselves. Technically and practically, it is impossible beyond logic for anyone to want to undertake private elections with indelible ink and then for public elections remove indelible ink in the name of budget when the electoral commission is not the entity that is in charge of budgeting. I mean, this road is not one that we must applaud the EC, but we think that we should not have a circumstance where public officials sensitive in a position like the electoral commission take decisions recklessly that undermine the peace and stability of our nation. Today, I have seen Bosman Asari in a pickup full of military officers and arms. For me, I believe that why should a public officer be escorted with this number of... I mean, what, what has that got to do with the issues we are talking about? I mean, they've decided that, having listened to your concerns... They've shelved two essential policies and reforms that they wanted to push forward. I mean, that has nothing to do with his bodyguards and vehicles, is it? I mean, you're happy fundamentally with the two decisions they're taking. The Electoral Commission have been exposed both by law and by practice. It is not the case of a listening commission so that political parties or Ghanaians would think that they are people who listen. When we warn them and caution them about assembly elections, didn't they go and, and, and disgrace themselves? When we told them about the difficulties in the limited registration process, they went and disgraced themselves. So we are saying that as a party, we are willing to help the Electoral Commission undertake certain measures that will give us an assurance of credible, transparent election. And they should listen to the political parties as, as active stakeholders in the political process. If we do that, then we'll be advancing a conversation that will bring peace, that will bring stability, that will give Ghana a name, and even a name that we have organized our election peacefully. Look, half of the world is going to election in 2024, and that I believe that Ghana is not an exception. We must take Ghanaians along in everything that we do so that we don't undermine the peace that we have enjoyed in our country. And just for clarity, the uh, voting in November and the EC deputy chair clarifies that it is not on 7th November. That's not where they're, they're going to propose to Parliament. It's going to be on a day. So they're going to propose, for example, the first Tuesday, the first Monday of November. Uh, it's going to be implemented in 2028. Is the party, if the NDC, in favour of that? Yes, change the law, but implement it in 2028. We have said that all major reforms must be taken to 2028 so that the Electoral Commission, together with all other political parties, would rather focus on giving the people of Ghana credible, free, transparent, and fair election. That is what Ghanaians are more interested in. Every single voter wants to ensure that he votes. Every single voter wants to see that we have best a president out of peace and cooperation among political parties. And the Electoral Commission, as referee of this exercise, should you know, cooperate with political parties so that we can give Ghanaians what they want. They should not be putting reforms that Ghanaians have been asked for. Uh, Musafa Abmani, thank you very much. And that's uh, there is a Deputy General Secretary of the uh, NDC uh, talking to us about the announcement today by the Electoral Commission that, yes, uh, this year's elections is going to be on December 7th. That's it. You had it on your election at quarters fair. The debate has ended. EC says it's not going to happen. They would, however, start the process in Parliament to amend that particular law in the House.
and implemented in 2028. So yes, make your calendars, dust it up. It is on December 7th. And of course, if you're also concerned about indelible ink being withdrawn as part of the process this year, that too is going to stay. Uh, or was revealed today at the launch of the election headquarters. We'll bring you more on that pretty shortly. But I want to stay with the issues around hardcore politics because today, as you know, the NPP, uh, the National Executive Committee and the National Council both have been meeting in the last few hours on the agenda is considering Dr. Baumia's list of individuals who constitute his campaign team. Um, there have been suggestions that the meetings would also consider his choice for running mate. I want to bring in right now Samuel Mbura, who is at the venue for us and joins us right now. Uh, Samuel, what can you report? Do we have clarity yet on uh, who these individuals are uh, and whether or not the council and the National Executive Committee have endorsed that list? Well, Evans, I must say it has been a hectic day at um, Alisa Hotel. The National Executive Committee um, just uh, got done with their meeting about uh, 30 minutes ago. National Council is looking at the recommendation from the National Executive Council. So National Council uh, had that mandate to um, agree or endorse or override whatever recommendation that the National Executive Committee will give. But the information that I've gathered is that the campaign team that the Vice President, Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, has presented before NEC, and then National Council has been approved. Uh, we are waiting for them to address the media in a, in a GFE now. But what the name that we put out... If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Uh, earlier, I mean, bulletin have featured heavily in that particular list that uh, the committee uh, the committee has has approved. So we are just waiting for the official announcement from the national uh, council that is um, almost done with this meeting. And we know that as uh, as far as the list goes, you have advisors. From what I understand, uh, Danal Kufuado himself is still there as an advisor to Baumia's campaign. Jay Kufour, Freddie Blay, Peter McMenu, are these names that you've already picked up to and been confirmed on the ground? Yeah, so I double-checked and then I had to cross-check again my, with my sources and I'm told that even if their names are not included in the, the list, automatically they become advisors because of the rules that they have played in the party's uh, election. And taking into consideration that Jay Kufour is a former president, he has been through the elections, uh, uh, Kufado Sim, who is not going, so automatically it qualifies. And Mr. McMaino and co. have also uh, supervised the elections of the party at the national level. So these are resources that they cannot leave behind getting into the four general elections. And then we also uh, been reporting Damboche coming back as the campaign chairperson. Uh, Fred Awari is also there, the Nakomia, who we know has been leading the Baumia team when it comes to its communications. Uh, and interactions with the media that also remains something that uh, the council will have to confirm exactly Evans these are obvious names and then they did not actually come as a surprise and uh, from the mood here 
people uh, actually expect it. So, though these individuals I've mentioned are not here, but they, there's a strong indication that they are the people um, that are going to constitute the campaign team of the Vice President, Dr. Mahmoud Bamiya. So, they, their names are actually part of those that we announced shortly. Stay with me because, as we know, uh, the uh, National uh, Executive Committee and the National Council meetings, we understand, will also have to consider uh, what will happen to its within its ranks in Parliament, including what we now believe to be a shakeup in Parliament on the majority side. My colleague Elton Broby uh, had been working his sources and and came through with what to expect. Now, the proposal before the neck is that Osei Chairman Sabonsu is replaced with Alexander Fenyamakin as the majority leader uh, for the MPP side in parliament. Now, what will become of Osei Chairman Because he's a member of parliament, what we are picking is up, he may be given a new position as chairman of the MPP's 2024 manifesto committee. That's what we are picking. Mm. Now, we're also aware that the deputy whip. Uh, Lydia Serum Al-Hassan has been nominated for ministerial ap- appointment. Now, her position, we are told, will be taken by Patricia Piaget, mm-hmm. who will now become the deputy whip. The deputy majority leader, we are told, the proposal is that uh, Frank Anodon-Prem is moved from deputy uh, from, from whip to deputy majority leader. These are the names we are picking. And it is a matter that has been put before NEC for next approval. And Samuel is here with me uh, from the venue. I believe it's the Alisa Hotel. And and, and Samuel, uh, are we close to getting firm confirmations uh, of these from this meeting that is currently underway still? Yes, what my colleague uh, Elton has put out there are facts. However, I spoke with uh, one of the high-ranking members in Parliament who was part of the meeting, and he tells me that uh, that discussion, they had to jettison it at a point because there are a myriad of issues that they, they had to handle, um, taking into consideration that the parliamentary primaries in the constituencies with sitting MPs had some isolated cases. He mentioned specifically the Yende issue. So there was not enough time. Uh, but we should be expecting that. We don't know when they will have um, ample time to discuss that. But what Elton has put out there are the facts. But details of it was not actually discussed. Uh, before uh, maybe if there are other developments after the National Council meeting, we'll definitely update. But for now, the details of that wasn't discussed. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, we're keeping a close eye on that meeting. Uh, once we know more, you will know too. I want to return to our, our launch today, the launch of the election headquarters. And this year, our theme for the coverage is towards an informed electorate. Everything we'll do uh, from now till December 7 is just to empower you to make an informed choice when you enter into that uh, polling booth. And today we cross, crisscross the country, really, bringing you the voices of ordinary people uh, uh, from the greater crowd region to Kumasi, to Tamale, including the uh, people like uh, the president of the Greater Accra Region Market Association, uh, Queen Messi Afroa Nijan, all had their say today. Uh, they've been telling your news what will influence your vote this year. As the president of Greater Accra Market Association, we, we want our markets to be renovated. We should have proper car parks. We should have educational system in the market, health system in the market, fire service in the market. Please, in the market... You have fire service at it, Makola? Yes, but not all the markets. We have lots of markets that will have to run about two uh, this thing, miles before they get to 
for our service. They should be with us. Growing up as a, as a, as a youth in Ghana, so far the successive government and then the former government haven't, been, haven't met my expectations yet. Honestly, when you take issues of sanitation, that's my background, let me start from there. When you take issues of sanitation, you come to the central of Ghana, which is Accra. As at 9 a.m., you see traffic, thinking that maybe there's a truck which is being um, um, causing the traffic. But you realize that you go and then there are huge sums of waste left. It can be two days, three days, and then this waste is causing traffic. Meanwhile, the government has contracted people, institutions, to be dealing with sanitations in Accra. And then they, they, they neglect it. The government who, or the, the various stakeholders who are, um, who are uh, responsible to be checking all those things do not uh, give an ear to it. Talking about giving an ear to it, we also heard today uh, from the persons living with disability. And we had specifically from the Ghana Federation of Disability Organizations, Mohamed Lansa uh, was speaking to us. And they are concerned that political parties are not giving any ear at all to some of the issues of importance to them. Accra, especially, um, we're facing transport challenges, uh, especially when boarding um, public transport. It's very, very tedious, especially when we're taking it from um, the stations. You'll be seeing a lot of queues, and then uh, the community will not even consider that this person is a person with disability, so let's consider him or her to uh, uh, take the seat first. And in our, uh, our uh, Disability Act 715, it is stated in the um, the, the, um, the policy that when whoever is bought in a taxi or a car, the front seat must be preserved for the person. But Ghana here, it seems like the art is not uh, actively working. And it's a challenge, to especially boarding the transport. And moreover, to our movements, sometimes a problem when we are even passing through the, um, the public uh, pavements. A person with a wheelchair, a person with a yeah, visual impaired, have mostly challenged when um, passing through our pavements. It's a problem too. So this is a, an absolute of absolute importance uh, to him and others, and we're going to be doing a lot more in partnership with uh, Star Ghana. We'll be traveling in the new concrani of this country with Ghana Connect. We just turned 18. Uh, with the with women power and politics, uh, speaking to people, holding town halls. Uh, we'll be in New Drabin. We'll be in, in a community near you, somewhere far flank, somewhere very very remote. Just talking to you and bringing your views into the conversation live. You want to stay with us here on your election headquarters. And remember that our theme this year, and join us for this, our theme this year is towards an informed electorate. This is News Snyder's on Joy 99.7 FM. Now, in the heart of Accra's Opera Square, a first-class graduate in accounting demonstrates the unwavering spirit of unemployed graduates in Ghana in their pursuit of a dignified livelihood. Now, despite a staggering 13.4% unemployment rate, Nicholas has found a unique path to survive, checking the blood pressure of traders in the marketplace. Now, here is a story of resilience beyond degrees. In a city where academic degrees don't always open doors, the story of a 36-year-old first-class graduate biting hard on the rope of unemployment opened my heart to embrace life in the best way possible. But before I tell you the story of Nicholas, ponder this. 
what would you do for work if your first class degree could not earn you a white collar job? Smart was my first place of contact. That was around 2013. I had only two cities in my pocket and the machines were there. But to start was a challenge. Nicholas is a 36-year-old husband and father of one. He graduated top of his class from Methodist University, but for 10 years now, his office has been the bustling market center and his clients traders in the markets. This is what I've been doing for a living. I take blood pressure at a sugar level. I take two cities when checking the blood pressure and then six cities when checking the sugar level. And then this is what I've been doing to support myself as a man in, the, in this economic hardship. I've been doing this way for the past 10 years. I started in 2013. According to the World Health Organization, the burden of hypertension is very high in Africa, where two-thirds of cases are found. One pivotal way to manage the risks associated with hypertension is regularly checking blood pressure and consulting with health professionals. This is where Nicholas comes in. And to these market women, he's a lifesaver. I'm checking my pressure. I'm checking pressure. I'm my this is something she does on a regular with Nicholas and it helps them because they don't have the machines and the resources to constantly be going to the hospital. To my best of knowledge, there is no regulation that requires that one must get a license before acquiring a glucometer or a blood pressure monitoring machine. So there are people who, for instance, they may not have the resources to acquire these items. And yes, so they are hypertensive and then they are diabetic. So the rationale behind this is that if there are people out there who can't afford to buy these items or this equipment, why don't I buy them and then do it for a fee? Even with what I'm doing, it has always been my wish that if the government will see this and then um, generate a, profess, a, a policy out of it, in a sense that it is great, because I'm not the only person doing this, do, that he can train more of the younger ones, giving us um, accreditation or license so that we can, be, we can offer what you call the paramedic services to the market women to augment the services that the hospital is, is providing. For Joy News, I'm Sweetie Abochi. And indeed, that was that wonderful report there by Sweetia Bochi. Let's now get into beat business and uh, coming up, price of diesel inches closer to 14 cities per liter after leading oil marketing firms, including Gold, adjusted their values of the pumps. And Finance Minister Dr. Mohamed Amin Adam warns Ghana's program with the IMF could be under threat if it fails to raise the required revenue going forward. The Business News on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business. Kingdom Books and Stationers into Stangs and Pepsodent, Hebal and Chaco. You're welcome back to Business on Newsnight. The price of diesel is not getting closer to 14 cities per liter. Now, this was after some of the leading oil marketing companies adjusted prices at the pumps. There is more in this business, Dex report. 
market leader girl is selling a liter of diesel at 13 Ghana cities, 99 pesos, whilst Total Energies is selling a liter of diesel at 13 Ghana cities, 95 pesos. The price per liter for diesel had been reduced in recent times, and that was linked to the city's marginal stability against the dollar last year, so as a recent reduction in prices of finished petroleum products on the international market. However, it appears that is changing based on the recent challenges with the Ghana city. But these are the prices that I've seen for just two of the leading oil marketing firms. However, Joy Business understands that other major oil marketing firms might be quoting similar values for diesel at the pumps very soon. Some of the oil marketing firms have started increasing prices of petroleum products at the pumps from over the weekend. This is in line with the two-week review in prices of petroleum products. The National Petroleum Authority had told Joy Business that they expect prices to go up by more than 5% this week. This might be one of the highest increment in fuel prices in recent times. This can be linked to the spike in crude oil prices on the international market decision by the oil marketing companies to increase their margins and the city's sharp depreciation against the U.S. dollar earlier this month. Others are worried about the impact of this development and the possible increase in transport fares. This is because the transport operators have warned that they will push for an increase in fares if prices of petroleum products was goes up on the local market coupled with the emission levy that government has started implementing. And that is the business tech report. Meanwhile, the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers' this executive director, Dan Kanamwa, has maintained that consumers should be prepared to pay more for fuel as long as the Ghana city doesn't stabilize in the coming weeks. The consumer is left in the middle, truly. Or unless to say that the consumer should reduce the amount of fuel uh, that they require for their day-to-day -day running. Uh, so as to reduce cost. But as a stand, it is strictly between the managers of this economy to sustain the currency so that the net pricing window, the city does not drag fuel pricing uh, beyond our pocket. If that happens, then whether international market prices set or they don't, or they remain stable, uh, prices will have to go up because the city is not stable, it is not good enough, it is not sustainable, uh, if the managers of the economy do well to stabilize the city, then you can come back to look at taxes, which are within, the two of them are within our control. International market price, we do not control and have no say about it. Uh, once we can be able to control what is within our control, I think we should be well and good. Other than that, uh, in March, I personally foresee prices going up again. Duncan Amwa is the executive secretary of the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers. Now, Finance Minister Dr. Mohamed Amin Adam says Ghana will be in a dark situation if the country fails to meet some of the tax obligations under the IMF program. The minister is therefore urging the Ghana Revenue Authority to be proactive in addressing any gaps in line with revenue generation. The minister said there's an engagement with the commissioners of the Ghana Revenue Authority today at a meeting to outline some of the agenda and how to address the revenue challenges. We cannot afford to miss our commitments under the program because the consequences will not be good for, for our country. So, Commissioner General, I take this opportunity to reiterate to you and your team the three key priorities that you have assured us that you will achieve under the program. Number one is cleaning of the GRA taxpayer register.
implement them, even though we are uh, in the second uh, month of the of the year. Dr. Mohamed Amin Adam is the finance minister. Now, MTN Ghana has given the firm assurance that he has no plans of establishing the bank despite the strong growth in his mobile money business. The service has posted record growth over the years and is currently commanding more than half of one trillion cities transactions for last year. But with the new regulation requirements, there are fears that the company might move into that line very soon. The chief executive of MTN Ghana, Salman Dadebo, says... There isn't any plan on that table, at least for now. As of today, I mean, I have zero plans of mm. becoming a bank. Mm. I, I believe, you know, we've worked really well with banks. We've collaborated in various ways. And um, for the meantime, I mean, our role is to partner with banks mm. and continue to expand the fintech ecosystem. So because at the group level, some would say you have more power now to push that agenda, looking at how your Momo business has thrived in Ghana. <laughs> yeah, and well, I'll be in group on April 1st. I'll let mm. you know. <laughs> Finally on AI, and yeah. you talked about that. Salama Dadivo is the chief executive of MTN Ghana. Now, Consolidated Bank Ghana has partners, beverage manufacturing firm Casapreco, to raise money from the public to finance this expansion as a business, according to the managing director of Consolidated Bank Ghana, Daniel Wilson-Ado. They are in a better position to manage the perceived risk of indigenous and large enterprises that face challenges in accessing long-term financing for their growth and development. On the one part, Casapreco would have the capital to first of all grow its business, have the capital for working capital that is needed to be able to satisfy its customer base. And at the end of the day, we'll be able to put together a structure around the um, funding of its balance sheet that would make economic sense for the company. And the way we deal with the perceived risk. I've said before, I say it again, our business is not to run away from risks. Our business is to manage those risks. Daniel Ado is the managing director of Consolidated Bank Ghana. And even so, that's all uh, for business on News Night. Thank you very much, George. You're still live here on News Night. It's on Joy 99.7 FM. Now, the Walewale Municipal Security Council has banned the use of motorbikes beyond 8 p.m. in a fresh measure to combat increasing armed robbery. Uh, in that particular area. Now, additional, additionally, mobile money vendors are no longer permitted to operate beyond 5 p.m. According to the MCE, the new arrangements were in reaction to last week's attack in Walewale Township where two people, including a mobile money operator, were killed and at least seven others hospitalized. Now, speaking of attending the funeral of the slain mobile money operator, the MCE called on the residents to be cooperative and help the security services to restore adequate security. Elias Tanko has more. Exactly a week today and at about half past 6 p.m., three armed men launched a violent attack targeting a mobile money service provider who was seated right here at this very spot. Eyewitnesses confirmed that the robbers, after robbing the mobile money vendor, pursued him in his flight and knifed him multiple times in the abdomen before opening gunfire to finish him off. The robbers, while fleeing, also opened fire on the crowd injuring at least eight other persons at the scene at the hospital two of the victims including the mobile money operator identified as rabiu bilal were confirmed dead whilst the injured are still battling for their lives 
at the Tamale and Bulga hospitals respectively. In a swift response, however, the police were able to arrest two young men in connection to the attack. Speaking over the weekend at the funeral of the mobile money operator in Waliwale, the municipal chief executive, Arimiya Osomolaki, condemned the barbaric attack and commended the police for the swift reaction. I just want to thank the IGP and the Ghana Police Service for what they have done. They have restored confidence back to the people of Waliwale and Mabu. The municipality has been recording a surge in robbery attacks since 2021 with at least 15 attacks occurring each year, the armed gangs are said to target market women and mobile money service providers in their localities by capitalizing on the poor road network and the inadequate and ill-equipped police in the municipality to attack their target and escape capture. More than five robbery attacks have been reported already since the beginning of the year, leading to deaths and loss of properties. However, this latest robbery attack has caused an atmosphere of nervous apprehension among the residents about the safety of their lives and properties. The security situation in the municipality is very disturbing. If you consider the number of lives that has been lost to robbery attacks in Walwali, I mean, it is just so alarming and worrying. The municipal chief executive announced new security arrangement to be implemented to combat the insecurity in the municipality caused by the robbers. First of all, one of the decisions taken by MUSEC is to stop mobile money activities in Waliwali and its environs from the hours of 6 p.m. Whilst other decisions are to be taken, which I have not yet confirmed, about stopping of motor riding in the night in some hours in the Waliwali township and then its environs. Periodic search of houses, periodic search of places are going to be done to make sure that we, we bring all perpetrators to court. Also, we'll be looking at areas that we think that the crimes are being committed. And we should take action. The MC also appealed to the authorities in Accra to retool the police service in the municipality with more personnel and logistics to combat the crime. And if you're in that part of the country, I want to hear from you tonight on News Night. And talking about hearing from you, let me share a few of your messages on a WhatsApp console with you and the rest of the world. And this one from Senna says uh, what Deputy EC Chairperson have just said is totally true, so the political parties must accept it. Ajiman in Community 9 in Tema says, I wonder why it's only the political parties in the position that uh, most of the times do not agree with the EC now. Why can't we understand the issues of biometric hands arguing the use of indelible ink? Uh, Nana Ekwamwa says the current reshuffle in the MPP leadership in Parliament is welcoming, particularly where uh, Alexa Nafanyo Marking and Frank Nadompre is majority leader and deputy, respectively. I know they are well capable to handle the, the, the portfolio. Uh, what is for Caesar, give it to Caesar, but I, I can trust the EC. He says, but I can trust the EC. We have to be vigilant, uh, he says. A few of your messages on the WhatsApp console now. And uh, a final one on the subject of the 12 million that was spent on the JAPA deal. He says uh, it's this MPP government that wants to break the eight. You, you just waste twelve million dollars for no work done. Is another question that he's asking there. You're live your news tonight is on Joy ninety nine point seven FM. I want to take you back to Parliament this time to the Public Accounts Committee, where there have been heated exchanges today between the minority member of Parliament for South Dai, Roxine Nelson, Dafiamekpo, and the ranking member on the Public Accounts Committee, Kofi Otri Ejikum. Uh, and it happened when questions came up about how how much government has incurred in the planned construction 
of the Keta port. Now, the Keta port construction project has become a controversial subject after government appointed a director for the facility even before any fiscal work could begin in the area. The, the matter resurfaced at the public accounts sitting today when Member of Parliament for Keta constituency, Kwame Jijoli uh, Gakpe, raised a public interest question about the current state of the project when the Ghana Ports and Harbors Authority appeared before the committee. Now, first, listening to the response of the Deputy Transport Minister, Hassan Tampoli. Um, having done the market sounding, we are currently doing the environmental impact assessment. And that takes a, a bit of time just to take care of, you know, all the necessary uh, requirements asked by environmental protection and um, agency standards. Look, I've heard about Keta for, for several years. When is it going to take you for you to put, I mean, uh, a pickaxe to the ground and start building? How long does it take for an environmental study? Sharon, that will be answered better by the EPA, but, uh, because they have to work within their, their law, their guidelines, and their framework. And we don't need to uh, second guess when they'll be able to do that. How much have we spent so far on this Keta port? Mr. Chairman, it, it will be difficult to say it right now. So if you can, we can, you can defer so that at the right time we can get the necessary information. Well, let me bring in my colleague, James Abaji, who was at the Public Accounts Committee sitting today. James, let's track back a bit. Uh, let's start with the details around this very controversial project. We know that the president cut sword for construction to begin in August 2020. What more do we know about progress of work? Yes, uh, Evan, so as we speak, uh, there is no uh, physical construction going on on the site. But as you said, even before the president cut sword uh, in August 2020, uh, on March 19, 2019, there was a letter signed by then Transport Minister Kweko Fori Siama, uh, who uh, signed a letter of appointment of one Dr. Alexander Iduse, who per the letter was supposed to serve as director of the Keta port, and that is where the controversy started. He was supposed to be on a monthly salary, salary and allowance of 150,000 Ghana cities. Salary of 150,000? 150, salary? Yes, and allowances of 150,000 Ghana cities. Now, and so that's what sparked the controversy. Now, when you go to the website of uh, uh, the International Trade, they provide some specifics about this uh, uh, construction. It's supposed to cost government some $600 million, and it's uh, supposed to come in four phases. Now, if you listen there, you would hear the Deputy Minister talk about some study going on. Now, according to uh, that website, they say that uh, as at 2021, government had completed feasibility study on the construction of the project. What was ongoing at the time in, uh, uh, in fact, it says that G the GPHA is carrying out a social and environmental impact assessment during the first quarter of 2022. When it is completed, the GPHA will start processes of seeking interested investors and developers for the uh, project and so this uh, 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 environmental impact assessment actually started in 2022 and that's what the minister says is still continuing so they're still not done at yes almost, almost two years on mm -hmm. what was the concern of rocks and nelson the family about the project yeah so if you hear there the vice chairman of the committee uh, honorable mills raised a question about the actual cause 
the minister says let's defer it he holds the position that the minister needed to produce the figure because this is not the first time the question has come up but they keep uh, dodging the question honorable minister the issue of the keta seaport is of emotional importance to our people and for the past four years we've been told that there's a certain director for the keta seaport if you go to the site it is symbolized by a metallic sandboard with two containers and we 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 we, we continue to be told before this committee that something is being done how long does it take for feasibility studies if the project would take off why appoint a whole director in charge of such a project mr the same uh, chairman the same question mr I, I, I think I just, this question has been asked and then yes the question has been asked. I am saying that the matter of the Keta Seaport is whimsically treated. Anytime we ask questions, we, we just ask how much has been spent for the past four years. We are told that it's not known. But there's a substantive director occupying office taking salary for an empty space. It's not finding the question. This is the place. And that there is Roxing Nelson, definitely. This is something that we need to dig in a bit more and understand what has happened to that particular project. Let's do sports now. And Ms. Bow is here with the latest. Yeah, Evans. Well, uh, all eyes are on the Black Queens now because they've got a crucial game against Zambia uh, to qualify for the Olympic Games later later this year. To be the first time the Black Queens will be, uh, will, will, will be at the games if they're able to defeat Zambia come Friday. Now, one midfielder who previously played for England, she's called Frida AEC. She has been called up to the women's national team for the first time, and she's been speaking to my colleague Lawrence Beidou about what it means for her to represent her motherland after representing England uh, in the initial stages of her career. When the Black Queens regroup for the two fixtures against Zambia, one player people will be looking forward to is Charlton Athletic midfielder Frida AEC. The former Arsenal player has been giving a maiden call-up to the Ghana Senior Women's National Team for the upcoming third-round Olympic Games qualifiers. She makes the switch to represent Ghana after playing for England earlier in her career. AEC believes the timing is now right to wear the colours of the West African side. It's a great achievement. I can't wait to play with the girls. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Under the Swiss trainer, the Black Queens have had a near-perfect record, losing just one of their 11 games since she took over in 2023. In that period, there have been 10 wins for the team, with a staggering 34 goals scored, while they have conceded just twice. AEC believes Ghana has a good team, and she's hopeful adding her quality could spark the team to their first-ever appearance at the Olympics. Yeah, so that's uh, my colleague Lawrence Bedu. We're all waiting for that game of the Craspos team on Friday. And just a little update from the Black Stars. You're still looking for a new coach, and the name that has popped up now is Otoado. We understand he's leading the pack to become the next coach of the Black Stars. And uh, that's report following initial stage of interviews that has been carried out on interested applicants. Otoado. Otoado. Who led Ghana to. Qatar 2020. Who then abandoned us and went back to Dortmund? Yeah, so he's, uh, he's, he's generated some controversy on many platforms I there, see. but even that's it. Well, if you don't know where you're going, many parts will lead you there. Anywhere, in fact.
Now, many coastal communities are known for the high incidence of teenage pregnancy. But here in Accra's coastal community of Jamestown, some adolescent girls are defying the norm to change the narrative. Despite the tempting desires to engage in vices, including early sex and abuse of drugs, they have resorted to helping their mothers sell at the beach to raise money to pursue their dreams. Now, Johnny sees Adobe Asari has been interacting with them and has come through with this report. In the coastal town of Jamestown, a group of young girls find themselves at crossroad. While Sam chose the path of leisure and loitering about the bustling market square, others have embraced a different journey. Some of the young ladies I see in this community do nothing by loiter about. Some indulge in all sorts of vices and get pregnant when they are not ready to have children. Among these diligent girls is Rita Tego, a spirited young girl who, instead of spending her days in idling about, has dedicated herself to helping her mother sell the day's catch at the beach. I'm here to help my mom. It's not like I don't have anything to do or I don't have a go-to attention, but I completed school last year at Odegono uh, Sinai, and I'm in the house, I'm not doing anything. I have to help my mom. For her to get money, so next and um, this year by this time I'll be attending university. It's good too because if I'm sitting home, I'm not sure that I'll get some pocket money to get something to do. Not far away is Princess Ado, a savvy entrepreneur in the making who is committed to pursuing her own venture. Armed with creativity and resilience, she braids and makes wicks by night and helps her mother by day at the shore. I come to the seaside to help my mother sell her fish. I have my own handiwork I do to earn some money as well. It is not as if I despise my mother's fish business. In fact, I have been helping her for a very long time now. I just love to breed. I have knowledge about everything with regards to hairdo, and I am focused on doing that and doing it well to be able to fend for myself. As the day unfolds, the contrast between these two groups become apparent. While some young girls revealed in carefree afternoons, others navigated the challenges of entrepreneurship learning invaluable lessons that echoed through the town. And as always, you can catch that entire feature on our social media platforms. You should just watch it for yourself. Brilliant piece in the uh, telling of the stories of these girls along that coastal belt of the greater crowd region and it's also on myjoyonline.com and also on the join news channel watch the join news prime right now you will find it there but the best place to catch it is across our social media platform youtube facebook and instagram twitter and others